Hello, everyone. Welcome to another exciting episode of Mindset to Mastery, the podcast. I am your host, Keisha A. Rivers, President and Chief Outcome Facilitator of the CARS Group, where we facilitate outcomes. And I am joined today by Nicole L. Turner to talk about how to survive a toxic work culture. Um, Nicole is amazing. Um, she is so she she is someone who is a dynamo a, dyna, a dynamic speaker. She is a dynamo when it comes to um, championing for um, workplace cultures and for having people to be able to show up fully and authentically as their whole selves, and to help organizations to be able to create those types of environments that will bring out the best in their people. So, welcome, Nicole. Hi. Thank you for having me. I am so excited that we get to do this because we've had these, you know, different conversations offline and I'm always intrigued by your, um, your approach to workplace culture and to actually being able to um, talk to people about diversity. And so, um, and we'll have some information about Nicole on my website at carsgroup.com with her full bio, but tell us very before we begin, um, I want you to tell people a little bit about what what you do, who you are, um, because I think it's important to set the stage for your background when it comes to talking about the tips and the strategies that we're going to give them today. Okay. Well, I own an organizational development consulting company in the Washington D.C. area, and I focus on doing organizational climate assessments, employee engagement, diversity and inclusion, leadership and executive coaching and training. But the meat of what I do is centered around detoxing organizations. And so what does that mean? I go in and just like a doctor, you go to a doctor because you're having an issue and a doctor like tests all your symptoms and gives you a diagnosis and prescribes a solution to help you get better. And that's pretty much what I do with organizations. You know, when they reach out to me and say, hey, we're having an issue, can you come in? Well, first I need to be able to assess what your real issue is. And sometimes I'm doing an organizational climate assessment with them. I'm using other data that they may have collected um, doing focus groups and one-on-one interviews to kind of get an overall picture of what inside the organization looks like. And that's a great point because, you know, I've, I've talked a lot on this show about my background in education. And one of the key things that I believe that people overlook is the need to go in and do an assessment. You can't solve any type of problem unless you first understand what it is that you're dealing with completely. Absolutely. So the fact that you go in and, and, you know, and you have a graduate degree in education and business, so you understand that, that whole intersection but I know that even though people may call you in and they say, hey, we have an issue, um, you know, we need you to come in and, and work with our people. And I think that just from the conversations that I've had and, and the things that I've read that people post about when you're trying to look at toxic work environments, do you find that the organizations are more apt to look at themselves and say, what is it that we're doing that's creating this? Or is it more so they're calling you in because they're looking at issues that their employees are, are exhibiting and saying, hey, we need to stop that behavior? More times than not, it's behavior that employees are exhibiting. Mm. It's amazing to me that sometimes leadership, um, 
I wouldn't say that they're low on the self-awareness scale, but in some instances, they feel that the things that are taking place in the workplace that are impacting, you know, productivity, innovation, um, their relationship with their customers is really because employees are just not doing their job. And mm. more times than that, it's, that's not the case. There's a reason why there are some employees who are not doing their job. And once I present that information to them, sometimes it's a very difficult pill to swallow um, mm -hmm. because they're requiring some type of accountability on their part. But yeah, to answer your question, more times than not, it's because they see an employee issue, not a self-leadership issue. So, so one of the things I wanted I wanted to talk about today was, you know, we, we keep hearing things about, you know, toxic work environments, toxic work cultures, and aside from employee behavior, there are not, there, there are very little things that people know to look for that will show them warning signs of what a toxic behavior is. And I look at it kind of like the way that you look at it with kids. When you see a child throwing a tantrum or something, you know, happening and there's some type of bad behavior, the bad behavior isn't usually what you need to fix. It's usually the underlying causes that that lead to the bad behavior. So what are some of the warning signs and the, the traits of a toxic work environment that people should be aware of? So I'm going to give some traits and then I'm going to give some warning signs of those traits. So some of the traits... Okay look for for a toxic work environment is if there's intense pressure to get short-term results like oh my gosh you mm -hmm. got to get this done fast it's more on the timeline than the actual quality of the product um, there are taboos within the organization about speaking up to power like if there's an issue you're not supposed to speak up to your superiors there's an up versus them and us versus them mentality like we're the leaders you're the worker bees um, within some of the toxic work environments, there is dysfunctional competition amongst peers. There is lots of talk about values, but not enough action. And, and I'll talk a little bit more later about the whole values-based behavior and the importance for organizations to have their values. And lack of clarity around their vision. There are actual employees who work in organizations and they're like, I don't know what our vision is. I don't know what our mission is. There's, there's a lack of clarity around that. There's disrespect on all levels. There's top down, uh, bottom up, across. There's a lack of appreciation. There tends to be a lot of instability in toxic work environments. And mm. there's, there's inequality. And a lot of employees feel like things are not equitable within the environment and those are some of the traits but some of the warning signs of a toxic work environment deals with for the individual uh, chronic stress like if the workplace mm. creates an unhappy environment and what people fail to realize is you can't just leave yourself in the workplace so you take that stress home to your family to your friends and it has a great impact on your health your ability to sleep your ability to you know function normally and then low morale is another warning sign, and it causes employees to lose their enthusiasm, and, and the mood is generally dull within the organization. Another thing I find is that poor communication, and that can make employees feel confused and out of the loop because there's, there's a lack of transparency. And one thing I say when I'm in organizations, the rumor mill 
should not be the way your employees get information that directly impacts them and the work that they do. And constant absences. If people are always calling out sick, you know, they're, they're like, I need to take these mental health days. We've heard people talk about how sometimes on Sundays, they get like the stomach pains thinking about going to work on Monday. And then mm. toxic leadership. There's enough data out there that says the main reason why a lot of people leave organizations is because of their, their leaders, their management. And toxic leaders play a very big role in creating a toxic work environment. And if there's a lot of negativity in the form of playing the blame game, like, you know, some people will take credit if things are going well, but if something fails or a mistake happens and they pass the buck down to, you know, other people, their team members or to their employees and inconsistent policies, like it's obvious that I see that the rules that apply to me don't apply to Mary over there. You know, it's, mm. you like Mary, so the policies are not equitable for all employees. And of course, I've already mentioned the high turnover rate and the lack of work-life balance is another thing. And there's just last unrealistic expectations. Like a lot of people are expecting their employees to do a lot more with less resources. The workload is wow. getting heavier and the deadlines have to be met, but it may be a group that had 10 people and now this group has six people or four people, but the workload is still the same. You cannot expect the same output. So there are unrealistic expectations. And those are things that are warning signs and traits of a toxic work environment. So when you go in and People, you know, because like we said, they primarily bring you in because there's, you know, high absenteeism, there's, you know, low morale, they're, you know, they're pointing to the employee behaviors and say, hey, we need to fix that because it's affecting our bottom line. So when you go in, and I remember you, and, and you mentioned toxic leadership, and I can imagine that the leadership that brings you in does not want to hear that they're toxic. <laughs> so <laughs> you're the problem, dude. Um, so when you go in and, and you, you see this kind of thing going on in the organization, what is, what is your first step? Like, what do, you, what do you usually do to help people kind of navigate this and, and then to turn it around? So when I first go in and I collect all the data points and draw conclusions to present to the leadership team, one of the things that I, I start out doing is telling them things that are working because it's so easy to focus on the negative, but I want to get them in the mindset of this is not just going to be a, I'm blaming you, you're the problem. I also want to highlight things that are working well within the organization. And then I get to, these are the issues, um, whether we're doing it as a result of 360 assessment or one-on-one -on -one interviews or focus groups, this is what your employees are saying. And they really want to be able to better serve the organization and the mission of the organization. And these are the things that they need from you. And then I highlight what they said certain behaviors are, whether it's bullying or they don't communicate, they take credit and not responsibility, or they show favoritism. Um, it's a little more difficult when they say the leadership is narcissistic because how do you kind of 
tailor that in a way for a person to understand. And I, I kind of formulated to focus on empathy um, mm. and being a good listener. And so they don't automatically take on that negative ownership and get on the defensive and then shut down and don't listen uh, because it is hard for people when you have to tell them when they bring you in thinking that this is one of the main reasons you're having issues and then you have to say well you're also one of the main reasons why you're you're having issues but mm -hmm. what i find in some organizations is because when you're a great technical person you get promoted but the higher up you go in in an organization it's less on the technical you need to be able to hire the really great technical people but it's more on the interpersonal. How do you communicate? How do you inspire? How do you motivate? Motivate? How do you coach your employees? And that's a struggle for a lot of them because that's not what got them there. And and so what I find is that they don't want to show their bosses or their peers that hey, I'm failing at this. And so I I come at it from a place of I'm here to help you not to expose you, um, but to make it better for, for everybody who's involved. And sometimes mm -hmm. that is a little challenging. And sometimes my recommendations have to be, hey, you need an executive coach or you need to take certain training. And unfortunately, there have been a few instances where the recommendation has been to remove that person out of a leadership position. So, mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> it's so a way, and, and I, yeah, I, I mean, I can imagine that's a that's a difficult situation to be in. Um, but what what do people need to look at? Because I I understand that people that are listening to this are are trying to figure out. Okay, one, how do I identify that? You know, whether or not my my place of work is toxic. And most of the time, they just don't feel good being there. Um, so so that's of interest. But then when you talk about toxic employees and toxic leadership. What are some of the characteristics? I mean, you mentioned somebody being narcissistic. Um, what are some other things? Because, I mean, out, aside from outright bullying and being rude and mean and, you know, always, um, you know, showing people the worst sides of who you are, mm -hmm. I, you know, everybody gets that one. But what are some of the other nuances in the characteristics where people may not really know that they're the ones that, that's being toxic, either as an employee or as, as a leader? Well, for the person, the toxic employee, a lot of times they are not aware that it's them, but they can see it in their peers. But one of the mm. things I say in identifying um, toxic employees, um, if there's somebody who's like really great at managing up, like everyone around them is like, this person is not pulling their load, they're creating this chaos and drama in the office, but their supervisors have absolutely no idea. And they do a lot of sabotaging to their peers. They're always negative. It's everybody else's fault. For the individual, it's, it's very difficult for them to say, hey, I am the problem. Unless somebody mm -hmm. actually brings it to their attention that, hey, you know, when I come into work, and I'm trying to get set up to start my day and you instantly come to my desk and you want to complain about um, the boss or the work or something another coworker did, a lot of times people aren't even aware that they're displaying that type of behavior. They're like, hey, my coworkers, this is my friend. So, you know, I'm just having our morning conversation. 
they, they're not aware because that behavior has become so common for them to be in the mm. mindset of complain, complain, complain. So that's normal. They don't see it as toxic, right? And they don't see the gossip as something that's disruptive in the workplace. They just see it as, hey, we're having, we're just having conversations. And especially if the people that they're conversing with, they're gossiping back with them. It's, it's very difficult to see that those are identifiable traits of toxic employees because that's normal to them. Right. And yeah, from and the leadership, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. And, you know, from the leadership perspective, the same, the same is, is true. Like, it's easier for a leader to be aware of their employees who may be displaying toxic behavior. And it's funny, I, a guy, I, went, I attended a conference, and I remember a guy doing a training on bullying upward, right? We're used to hearing mm-hmm. bullying as it relates to the manager bullying down to employees. But he was talking about how employees bully up managers and what I found interesting is that even from the toxic leadership and toxic employees perspective the bullying can go both ways but in organizations it's not identified as often when it's the employee that's bullying the supervisor and creating Kara and for whatever reason a lot of managers tend to be intimidated by that and they don't want to document it as a conduct issue and a lot of times it's also a performance issue and they're like oh it's, it's too difficult to put a person on a performance improvement plan or i got to document all this to fire a person it's a little easier in certain environments you know the at will policy makes that a little easier but in a lot of ways you have the promote up promote out. This is how I'm going to get rid of this toxic employee or this toxic leader. I'm going to promote them up mm. and promote them out. Somebody calls for a recommendation. Oh, they're awesome. But the message that you're sending to that person is that everything I'm doing is right. And instead mm-hmm. of addressing it. So from a leadership perspective, a lot of leaders, their supervisors are not addressing what they're seeing. Sometimes because they're friends or sometimes because it's very difficult for people to have those type of conversations. And you would think that once you reach a certain level in the organization, it will be a little easier. But in general, it's difficult for people to have those type of conversations in their personal life. So imagine when right. it's in the work environment. Yeah, and, and, it's, and one of the things that I, I have really um, noticed in, in the work that I do, and, and especially with the things that you do, is that communication is, is so key to all of it because, and, and you would think, and like you say, you would think that the higher up you go, the better you should be at communication, but that's really not the case. And, and, and I think that it's so fitting that we're having this conversation because there was just a study released that talks about the impact of toxic work, workplace cultures. And it said that overall, the lack of communication, just as you talked about, either communication of expectations, communication of vision and mission, communication of, you know, even your progress or, or what's, you know, what the way, what you're doing, that has led to over $223 billion over the past five years that it's cost 
um, companies because of turnover. And so when you look at addressing issues of toxic workplace environments, and, and I didn't even consider that bullying up was a thing, so I'm glad that you brought that up. When people look at this overall problem and they're listening to this, what are some things that they can do to start to kind of right the ship? A little bit, you know, other than, of course, calling you, which would be the first step. <laughs> but what would be the what would be some of the things that you would tell them to start thinking about or looking at within their organization? Um, just as a starting point to addressing some well, of this. One of the first things I would tell them to do is identify what your organization's values are. Like every organization and company has their mission and their vision. But what are your values because oftentimes it's the values piece that really sets the tone for the culture of the organization. So what are your values and is there an expectation what's the accountability mechanism for your supervisors to have values-based behavior? Hopefully it's in their performance plans, you know, based on our values you have to display certain type of behaviors. I heard a guy recently talk about one of his clients is LinkedIn, and he said the head of LinkedIn mm -hmm. with his values, uh, compassion is one of his number one values. And he said it was evident everywhere within the organization that compassion was one of their values. And for me, I believe the entire culture of an organization is centered around what are your values? But first, what's your vision for your culture? And then what are those values that, that help make that vision a reality? So the first step is to identify what your organizational values are. And then what's the type of culture that you want your organization to have? And marry up that vision with your values. And make sure that that behavior is something that you enforce within your organization. And I, one organization I worked with very recently, I made a recommendation that all of their managers, especially the new managers, it is mandatory that they do an emotional intelligence course and a cultural competence course because mm -hmm. the emotional intelligence piece <laughs> is what a lot of the leadership and even the employees are lacking is the emotional intelligence piece. And then, you know, take actions. Once you've done, have someone like me come in and do an assessment of what the climate and the culture is, then it's very important to take actions on those identified issues and come up with resolutions to address your areas of weaknesses and areas that need to be improved. And one thing that I, I push in organizations is don't let the leadership be the only ones making the decisions. Employees need to have a seat at the table. So when I'm doing an assessment, one of the things I do it is from an appreciative inquiry model, whereas I'm not giving you multiple choice questions on this survey to answer. I am expecting all employees, and I, I tell them, unless you own the organization or the company, you are an employee, regardless of where you fall in the hierarchy. And so I'm asking for actionable um, solutions, like if one of the questions deal with morale. Morale is, is very low. What can this organization do to improve morale? And so that's how I try to address it where the 
the people who are sitting at the table making the decisions are not just the people in leadership roles because the, the middle management and the worker bees have a lot of solutions and answers that can help you solve your problems. So yes, you need a vision of what you want your culture to be and you need values that are aligned with that vision to make everything come together. You need to be able to take actions on whatever issues were identified from your assessments. And it's very important to make sure that your employees at all levels are represented at the table and making the decisions and the type of actions that need to be taken. That, that's a great um, blueprint of how to get started with this. Um, one of the, there's a saying that, you know, some have attributed to Albert Einstein, I don't know exactly who said it, but it's saying that you cannot solve a problem with the same mindset that created it. And yeah. so the things that you just outlined with having more people able to sit at, have a seat at the table and having that conversations and, and looking at what additional training is necessary, how do we need to shift this? I think that is, that's the key point to starting to making some, some changes. Um, toxic work environments are not something that just popped up. There are obviously things that have been going on for years. It's just that now it's something that's being addressed. So with that, given that uh, this is a longstanding problem and people don't really, you know, it's good to get that you gave them some things to start with. But for somebody like if someone wanted to contact you and, and have you come in to start working with them, what's the best way for them to reach you and to engage with you? Well, the best way to reach me, my website is Oyat Group, O-Y-A-T Group.com. You can also email me at Nicole at Oyat Group.com. And you can also call me. My business phone number is 240-416-9578. I'm also on LinkedIn, but the company website is the best way to find me. But if you want to connect with me on LinkedIn, I am Nicole L. Turner, MBA. Um, and I think that's how it shows up, Nicole L. Turner. Yes, MBA on LinkedIn. But oh yeah, group.com is the, the best way to reach me. Awesome. Now tell people, what does OYAT stand for? <laughs> Well, the acronym stands for the O, kind of stands for two words, and the second word is not an O, but organizational efficiency yields achievable targets because an efficient organization will always meet its goals, its um, objectives, and part of being efficient is, of course, dealing with your workplace toxicities and addressing your, your culture issues and your diversity and inclusion, your employee engagement, your change management, all of that is under um, being more efficient. And innovation is, is very key to that too. So OEX stands for Organizational Efficiency Yields Achievable Targets. Awesome, awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us. This has been great. Um, I know we've only scratched the surface with this and I encourage people to get in touch with you um, she's a dynamic speaker. She comes in and she'll work with your, your organizations um, individually. Um, and she will also be someone that you would love to have in a breakout session at a conference um, with your leadership team to assist them in being able to get started on the right track. 
So thank you again for being here, Nicole. It is always a pleasure to speak with you. Um, and I thank you for the tips and the, and the insights that you, that you gave to our audience. Um, this is Keisha A. Rivers, President and Chief Outcome Facilitator of the CARS Group, where we facilitate outcomes. On our episodes of Mindset to Mastery, the podcast, we have 30 minutes every week where we give you tips, strategies, and actionable items that will assist you in changing your mindset and mastering your success. Our podcast is syndicated on Mile High Radio. That's milehiradio.com on Thursdays at 1 p.m. Eastern. And you can also find episodes live on our website at carsgroup.com. That's K-A-R-S group.com um, under the podcast link. You can also find us on iHeartRadio, Spreaker, Spotify, Google Podcasts, iTunes, as well as several other um, entities and, and channels. Um, we always welcome any of your feedback as well as questions regarding topics that you would like to know more of. You can send us a message at carsgroup.com on the website, um, or you can follow me, Keisha A. Rivers, on LinkedIn as well as on other social media channels. Thank you again for tuning in. We hope that this has been helpful to you in helping you to become more personally and professionally, professionally developed and savvy. And as always, we want you to take this, apply it, and make it a great one. Until next time. Bye-bye.